Good morning, everyone. Uh, welcome to the Insurance Post and CRIF podcast. Today, we're talking about ESG and supply chains. Um, we're looking at the principles on insurers and supply chains. In this podcast, we'll discuss some of the key challenges for the industry in meeting its responsibilities and ask what more can be done to ensure ESG is better understood, measured and embedded across tomorrow's insurance landscape. I'm very happy to be joined by Zelda Bantham from Aviva, uh, Ole Melnick from Allianz and David Scott from CRIF. My name is Scott McGee. I'm the news editor at Insurance Post. Welcome, everyone. Morning, Scott. Morning. 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 Thank you. So I guess we'll start off uh, with a with a general overview of ESG and and the industry. Um, I'll go with, I'll go to you first, Zelda, if that's okay. Why should the insurance industry care about ESG? Yeah, thanks very much. And uh, and yeah, ESG, environmental, social and governance factors. It was started off in, in the investment area uh, when looking at investments, but it's become a kind of uh, acronym for, uh, for sustainability and the kind of non-financial uh, impacts that, that, that companies can have. Um, so why is it important for the insurance industry to care about ESG? Uh, well, uh, insurers are risk managers, insurers, asset owners, and the insurance industry generally is very underestimated, but it has a really important role in transitioning the whole economy to a net zero sustainable footing. Um, going forwards. Insurance is an enabler, effectively. Um, you need to get insurance before um, you receive investment for projects and before the spade goes in the ground. So it, it's kind of that upfront um, piece of uh, a, a financial safety net that you need to make anything happen. Um, and the non- uh, life insurance market in 2020 uh, was about £42 billion worth of gross written premiums. Uh, and it's estimated that that'll grow to about £56 billion by 2050. Now, some of that's going to come from inertial growth. That's the increase in insurance um, penetration. Uh, there'll be about 20 billion that comes from the substitution of existing assets with things like low carbon assets, um, things like EVs and more efficient housing. Um, there's going to be about a 9 billion new business element to that gross written premium. And this is things like new underwriting volumes driven by climate aligned assets and tech. So your battery storage, your renewables, your green hydrogen coming on, all of these things didn't exist before, but need insurance. Um, so, you know, the, there's great potential for um, us in the insurance sector to, to grow our uh, profitability, to grow our book of business by making sure that we are able to understand the risks involved and to ensure um, those kind of things that we need for the future. Um, that kind of offsets a bit, it's driven by a loss of four billion pounds, driven by the industrial sectors that are gradually losing relevance as we move further and further to a more sustainable, um, low carbon economy going forwards. Um, so it's, that's a, a couple of reasons why insurance, uh, the insurance industry should care about ESG. Another one, very, very importantly, is climate change is going to affect our very business model. You know, you've got um, impacts of climate change, the frequency and intensity of weather. Um, you can see that coming through already. Uh, and we're going to reach a stage where some of the, some areas will be uninsurable or the premiums that will be needed um, will be so high that it'll, it'll be unaffordable. So basically, we need the world to stay at a 1.5 degree 
um, or, or less um, position. If we if we go much more over that, um, we're, we're basically our in, our business model is is effectively redundant. Um, so so we're, we're saving ourselves. The more we care about ESG, the uh, the the more we can uh, be sustainable going forwards and, and and be a business of the future. Thanks, Zelda. Um, Ole, do you do you have anything to add to that? It's it seemed that was quite a comprehensive. Uh, uh, answer to to that question. Is there anything anything you want to add? As maybe uh, something in particular that Allianz are, are, partic uh, are particularly looking at. Yes, yes, absolutely. And yeah, as you said, um, Zelda um, uh, covered this uh, extensively. But I would build on some of the uh, um, things like climate change. Um, uh, absolutely, there is an existential threat for. For, for all of us, uh, including the, the business, you know, global climate change is causing natural weather patterns. Um, you know, we, we are seeing large scale destructions and, and agricultural shortages um, as a result. Um, and, uh, you know, talking about the numbers, um, it's, it's, it's still interesting, but uh, um, we, um, it was a very good momentum actually during COVID where the subsidies to the fossil fuel actually uh, came down to 0.5% GDP in kind of developed countries. But uh, after COVID, the uh, kind of the, the, when the economy um, restarted, the, those subsidies actually went up. And actually that, that was exactly the gap we needed to reinvest uh, in, mm. in the renewable energy and, and, and uh, um, kind of climate fr friendly solutions. Um, because if you look at the, the, the subsidies are, are pretty impressive. They are like uh, seven, 700 uh, billion. And, and if you look at what uh, the energy subsidy for the renewables there is, it's only 170 to 200. Um, so there's, a, um, there's definitely an urgency and an urgency to do it now. I think as, as Zelda mentioned, 1.5 degrees, we already reached 1.2 degrees. Um, so, 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 so it's about making those decisions and um, um, and moves now, not delaying any any further. And I, I guess to your point, in terms of the the alliance, so so indeed, as uh, as as many other colleagues uh, um, and and insurers and, and investors out there, so we are indeed uh, chairing the uh, alliance net zero asset owners as well as net zero insurance. Uh, uh, owners. Um, this is now um, 170 plus uh, companies across the world and totaling uh, investment of something like 10 trillion dollars. But uh, the, 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 there is there is kind of another group there with similar power and, and you know, money power of 10 trillion that are still didn't join that, um, you know, uh, uh, alliance. And that would be really good for, for, for some of them to kind of be converted into into this um, into this family and in, into this direction. Um, and I, what I would also add is that um, if we look at look from a societal perspective, um, we know that 40% of millennials actually have chosen a job due to the company's sustainability agenda. So, so I guess for, for the insurance companies, but also for any other major corporates there, um, you know, the, the millennials will actually take a pay cut to work for a, an environmentally responsible employer. And if we look at then kind of younger generation, Generation Z, so 54% um, state they're willing to spend an incremental 10% or more on sustainable products. Um, and again, 50% of millennials too, by the way. Um, so, so there is really kind of... Um, it's um, it's it's uh, it, it's a you know it's a future for 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 you know for, for our you know uh, generations and for for our children to you know invest in ESG, take care of ESG. Um, so that, that that's what I would add. Yeah. Ole, I completely agree with that, and yeah, you know, I I think um, the the there is a growing importance from from consumers to uh, ensure that or to um, Buy from buy from brands and companies that are environmentally responsible. You know that they customers are starting to look for this, and I think that's even more important when it comes to insurance because it's such an intangible product. 
that you know the the conduct of the brand um, is even more important um, because you know we don't really have any physical physical attributes uh, to harness like the you know the, uh, the the fast moving goods and services sector has. So it's really important that we're able to demonstrate that we're taking ESG considerations into account. Um, it, it, it's quite difficult to demonstrate that, as as I say, because it's intangible. But um, really, really important to uh, for for our customers, both um, uh, individual customers, but also different businesses, that we are able to demonstrate what we're doing in this area. David, um, the guys have the guys have said that it's a it's a very present issue that that you need to be looking at ESG. You know, as Oli said, we're already at one point two degrees when really our limit is one point five degrees a year. Um, yeah. Are you seeing at CRIF? Are you are you seeing that insurers are looking at ESG as a priority enough? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, it's clear, and uh, that, just going quickly back to the previous question that you said, why should they care? Well, it, it's clear to me that they do care. You know absolutely different insurers uh, at different stages in the journey um, to sustainability or ESG. But, but you know, it's clear that they do care. Um, and, and some of the points made by Zelda and Ale are absolutely uh, the reasons why they care. And actually, the, the main two that I sort of thought were the, the driving factors were both brought up. You know, the financial performance, there's an increasing link between ESG um, and financial performance of a company and then then the reputational risk as well and the brand loyalty and not just brand loyalty for customers but employees you know it's it's far easier for employees to move to a company that is not necessarily in the same geographical area you know if, if they wanted to move to a company who has you know amazing ESG credentials um they could do so far easier now than they could do before pre-pandemic um and and the insurance industry to come back to your the question you just asked is they have come a long way you know no doubt the year year on year there's there's a lot being done a lot has been done but still a lot still to do um you know we did a survey uh, in conjunction with the post um insurance post in the summer and actually 73% of the respondents noted that ESG within their own organisation is a top five priority, which that it definitely wouldn't have been the case two years ago, certainly five years ago, and, and absolutely 10 years ago. Um, but there's still more to, more to go. And, you know, where that more is, um, and you mentioned it in the introduction there, Scott, is potentially looking not just inwardly at your own organization which i'm sure some some companies do they focus internally on what they can do um but to look externally to the supply chain um you know because whilst 73 percent noted at the top five only 8.8 percent of the respondents validated the esg credentials of, of the supply chain uh, of all the supply chain rather um 41 percent validated some of it so i i think Yes, there's there's always going to be more to do, um, but I think working with the supply chain is, is one area that could really, really help um, all companies, but particularly the insurance sector. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Um, so looking at the supply chain, but this will this question will go to both Zelda and Ole. Um, I'll go to you, Zelda, first. Do, how much do insurers look at ESG credentials when um, when choosing a, a partner uh, to to do business with in, in their supply chain or a supplier, um, how much of that due diligence is uh, dedicated to ESG credentials and how much do you feel those ESG credentials of the supply chain companies that you use need to be aligned with your ESG uh, strategy itself? Yeah, uh, and uh, as David says, you know, the the supply chain is is the is the next uh, sphere of influence. You know the the our our operations, how we run our property, uh, the the energy that we use, the the travel that we do. Um, that that's classed as kind of scope one 
in uh, from a, a climate perspective. But that's our sphere of control. You know, we have our our, our hands around that and, and understand that completely. We can make the decisions that will, uh, you know, for, for good or for bad. Um, but but kind of going out to that sphere of influence, the supply chain is is, is the next piece that, um, you know, we 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 see as an extension, really, of uh, of our offering to our customers. Um, we use the uh, the supply chain both to, you know, uh, in respect of what we buy for ourselves, but also to um, help us fulfil our our claims um, process for our customers. Um, so, you know, for in a, in a flood or a fire, uh, we call on our, we call on our supply chain to to support our customers on our behalf and, and put them back in the position that they're in before. So, so suppliers are, are really, really important. Um, and and yeah, in, in climate terms, they're, they're in carbon terms, they're classed as our scope three, category one area. Um, really, really important. Firstly, that there's kind of two aspects to this is a, a short term and a long term. And in short term, we are doing a lot of talking to our suppliers. We um, we started off by sending out questionnaires to them and saying, "Please fill this in. How are you doing on ESG?" Um, and the and the responses that we got back, understandably, weren't worth a lot because you know we're at that we're at that position where you need to. Uh, we're all learning together on this. Um, and uh, and we all need to to understand exactly the the um, the data and the information that we need um, from each other in order to make to make better decisions. So it's to start off with. It's an education piece. It's uh, it's a learning together and encouraging the adoption of things like science based targets. Um, so so that yeah, everyone knows that we're heading in the right direction, whether it's a supplier or a, a customer like an insurance company. Um, longer term, um, we'll be looking at things like um, absolute or um, intensity targets, um, working with our suppliers so that we understand the carbon intensity that they are that is being attributed to an insurance company as a customer um, because we need to have that in our own carbon footprint um, so so we'll be doing things like at the moment we're, we're, we're talking to suppliers we are starting to put in things like net zero clauses into our supplier contracts um, and encouraging um, our, our suppliers to uh, to abide by those, and then going forwards, you know, it, it's going to be a matter of um, assessing one supplier against another uh, for for similar goods and services, um, and you know which has the best ESG credentials, which will which meets our which uh, supplier meets our values and 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 enables us to get to our net zero targets um, and for Aviva that's 2040. So I'll, I'll move to Ole. Um, taking on board what Zelda just said, Ole, I'm, I'm assuming that you guys at Allianz are doing a similar sort of thing with your supply chain. Um, you do hear about um, companies you know, especially in the motor market, uh, for claims uh, sourcing sourcing green parts and stuff like that. Um, more often now, um, I believe that you guys at Allianz mm. do that. You've partnered with uh, a company to to supply green parts, etc. Um, so that's that's great. But is that is that something that needs to be more widespread? And do insurers need to be start to be more strict on the on the people that they partner with to make sure that they are more wholly um, aligned with the um, with the, uh, your ESG um, strategy. Um, sorry, I'm just going to go back to the uh, survey that David and Chris have done. Um, nearly uh, it's about half 
only validate the ESG credentials at all. And I think of those that do, only half only only half of those validate environmental factors such as uh, um, fossil fossil fuels and 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 etc. and sustainable parts. Um, so d do we need to be more strict on on the suppliers that we use and on and on the partners that we that we use? Absolutely, yes. And uh, I think just um, trying trying to um, step back a little bit to to put all of this in the in the context in terms of the the mission drivers and and the, the reason we started the uh, obviously the podcast by highlighting the the importance of investments and underwriting portfolios because from from those two from those top two we would have probably. 80% of the emissions, um, you know, within the insurance uh, industry, uh, obviously for those that uh, own assets as, as we do, and only kind of 10, 15%, and then one to 5% would come from the operations. So, so I guess the question here is that again, yeah, how do we impact this 10, 15%, one, 5%? And, uh, and absolutely, I think, you know, that we will mention scope one, two, and three, I guess scope one uh, is, is, uh, is basically what's coming from from our um, you know own our operations and sc scope two is basically electricity that we get to the um, to, to the to the buildings and and scope three actually the 80 percent of, of scope three um, comes from from the supply chain um, so, so that's that's why it is very important to uh, to manage this proactively and you know as Zelda mentioned we uh, from our perspective we obviously you know rolled out the sustainable procurement charter uh, we've got uh, on the the personal side green green heart initiative um, and a number of other initiatives uh, so for instance again on the personal side we now are, are directing 44 percent of our body shop repairs to carbon neutral uh, net networks um, you know you've mentioned the green parts are absolutely you know it, it does make sense to repair them to to replace from a from an emission uh, driver perspective and um, I guess th this is this is a, 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 a an ongoing journey and educational journey. We cannot write off our supply chains um, from you know from day one. Uh, it's it's you know we need to take them on that journey. You know nobody, um, not not everyone has a scale of of of, of our scale. And uh, so our approach, our stance is kind of moving from that educational to like a more assertive one. Example would be that last year we've introduced uh, uh, in the UK and it, it it was the first in the group uh, a mandatory 10% ESG scoring uh, in in all our you know. New, new tenders and, and renewals. Um, you know, one could argue that's probably not very ambitious. But again, remembering that, um, you know, we want really to 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 serve as a catalyst and as a as a as a kind of a, you know um, educate our, our supply chain, take our suppliers, take our partners that are extensions basically of our business together with us on, on that journey. And then uh, obviously we run the net zero accelerator for, for our broker partners um, and uh, our, our supply chain also has access to those edu educational materials and, um, and support. And then going forward, actually, what we will do, actually, we are already running, rolling this out, sorry, is we will... Um, a request uh, 100% um, uh, net zero target plans by 2025 from all our global suppliers. So, so this would cover billions uh, in terms of spent globally, and that will be um, basically a hard target to 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 achieve by by the suppliers. And then, you know, internal target it's even more ambitious. Um, so, so, so yes, we are definitely kind of turning the dial onto more more um, more robust ESG criteria going forward for our supply chain. David, would you say that's encouraging? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's some of the key words that when we've been speaking to our clients, of which uh, Allianz and uh, Aviva are two of our suppliers, you know, it, it is a journey. You, you, you've got to take the suppliers along with you. You know, you can't get the stick out immediately. Um, you've got to you've got to work with them because it is such a new a new area, um, you know, for, for everybody. Um, and it's very complex, you know, so it's interesting to hear Zelda said that they initially wrote out, um, it's a very simple question, and I, I'd love to see the answers that 
or some of the answers <laughs> that she got back because I could imagine what some of them may have even been I'm sorry what is ESG or something yes. as basic as that um, so yeah it, it, it's it's really encouraging and actually I, I noted what Ole said about the um, the 100% net zero plans by 2025 because that that's just going to play a huge role isn't it going forward and that will that will include CRIP actually you know we will have to uh, abide by that and adhere to that so mm. yeah it's, it's really really positive to, to learn and and hear about and yeah, even then there's so much more to do after that isn't it but you've got to start somewhere you can't just go from zero to 100 miles an hour immediately you've got to you've got to go incrementally and um and, and working with the suppliers in the way that Allianz and Aviva clearly are is is the best way to start yeah of and, course and I think I think this is the the point David that from a, a supplier point of view, you can be a supplier to Aviva, a supplier to Allianz, a supplier to Absolutely. other insurance companies, all asking hopefully very similar questions, if not the same questions. Um, so a supplier may only need to answer, you know, gather that data and answer it once um, mm-hmm. to to um, help all its uh, insurance customers. Um, yeah. But uh, but it, it, it's something that is it's really, really important to to each of us as insurers to uh, to be able to demonstrate that you know we're working with uh, our suppliers because those suppliers again we may be underwriting them or we may mm. be investing in them. So you know it's it, it, that's why suppliers are so key um, yeah. because they're not just suppliers to us. Yes, and, and, and sorry, I just wanted to add uh, to what Zelda just said and uh, um, kind of the importance of the uh, the measurements and the um, the indexes and, and so forth. I think this is still kind of a, um, a maturing area, and you know, you know, similar to the investment side, we, we took a we, you know we took a view that we we shouldn't be developing um, kind of our own measures or data gathering processes. This should be kind of you know industry industry agreed and 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 led um, uh, initiatives. Um, and and th- this is yeah as as we said, it's uh, we don't want to ask the same question you know hundred times. We want to ask these questions for once for everybody. Um, so the this is where the ESG data and validation is is very important. Yeah. So um, you said you alluded, you might have alluded to us, uh, some of these already, but you know, as we know, this is a journey. We're we're very early in the in the process already. You know, we have targets, whether it be 2025, 2030, 2040, 2050. Um, we all know that a journey is not a straight line. It's not a straight road. It's got twists and turns and obstacles in it that you have to that you have to navigate. So, what barriers do we see uh, the in, the industry? making that progress in in with it with the sg targets um david do you want to go first on that um and then well, we'll go I, to the think, go think, to the insurers yeah certainly i mean i i think one clear barrier has actually just been mentioned by by la which is the complexity of, of some of these questions is makes it really difficult for suppliers it, it would make it difficult for suppliers to answer one questionnaire or survey provided by one insurer partner but when there isn't any clear definitive framework yet, you know, they we find this, you get um, the same question asked 10, 10 slightly different times by 10 slightly different insurers. And so it's an unbelievably complex job just answering the, que- the questionnaires that you might receive from, from the insurers. So um, it, that is definitely a barrier to, to the suppliers, you know, they would get tens, hundreds, whatever of questionnaires. And, and I can only imagine um, how difficult it would be to, to assign the time to complete all of these surveys. And the other one, and somewhat linked to that, would be the, the time it takes to do them and probably the money as well. Um, you know, all of this is at a time when the economy is, is struggling to touch, I think, to put it mildly. And, and some of these suppliers would I'm, I'm sure far prefer right now, looking at this moment in time, to be doing other things, working on their business rather than answering questionnaires. Um, you know, the other suppliers for sure would would have a longer term view on it and would see the importance based on all of the things that we've discussed about so far. Um, 
but yeah, complexity and the time and money are the two of the the two of the barriers that I, I definitely see when um, and definitely hear when when talking to insurers and suppliers about this subject. Would it also be around um, how do you enforce it? Would you would would it be would it be a regulator to enforce it, or would it be um, would you would you expect would we expect an insurer to regulate their own supply chain? And obviously, if a supplier um, serves more than one insurer uh, or or partner, um, would they have would they have different targets that they would have oh, to think, satisfy for those different insurers? I so think, it could I think be the insurers. Yeah, I think the insurers will get to that point. I mean, that was something I think Ale said about moving from educational where we are now to a more assertive assertive role, and so. Yeah, I mean, it will come to the point when insurers will say to suppliers, we're not doing business with you unless you do X, Y, Z. We're not, I don't think, anywhere near now yet, but it will get to that point, absolutely. And then you'll get to um, the survival of the suppliers that actually um, have really good ESG credentials. And so, yes, I mean, it will get to that point. So I'll I'll move I'll put the question to to the insurers now. Uh, Ole, do you want to do you want to go first? I, you know, go back to the question: What barriers do you see um, the industry facing in the next over the over the over the journey? Um, and in terms of regulation, do you see a an, an overarching uh, set of regulations over ESG and suppliers uh, being helpful rather than rather than different insurers having their different criteria. Um, yes, and, and and I think this is one of the, you know, um, uh, you know, listening to our um, ESG chair and um, uh, basically chair of also this Net, Net Zero Australia Alliance, uh, we have three requirements, three basically policy requirements out there, and one of one of those is indeed. Um, ha- having a, a kind of uniform and standardized established ESG um, cr- criteria. Um, and, and I think, and again, that's the reason that, as I said before, we, we wouldn't be developing our own methodology in this sense because we already know that, for, for instance, there is a corporate sustainability reporting directive uh, which is due to go live in Europe in 2023. So Europe really wants to be kind of a center of gravity for ESG policy. But equally in the US, we we now know that there would be International Sustainability Standards Board and that was also launched at COP26 in November last year. So you could you could you could really see that, that you know where, where it's going, and and there there would be more regulation coming coming up. And we know that in, in the UK, obviously, government is uh, very keen to review kind of the net zero agenda and accelerate that agenda. So. Um, um, so, so I think that yeah, the 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 barriers will um, the, the regulators will definitely help. And equally, if we you know if we speak to the supply chain, they they are keen basically to let's say invest in the ESG certification uh, because they understand this is good for their business. They understand that they could be selected for the business based on based on their credentials and based on what they are doing there. Um, and uh, you know you know kind of the um, good good news is that I guess uh, uh, the 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 tech, the kind of the, the the new companies, the data companies that are really sprawling across the um, many industries, including procurement and supply chain, they now offer these um, kind of connected data uh, data feeds, open source feeds that you know help to validate um, the, the the credentials. Uh, and interestingly, we we're seeing. Um, um, kind of n- not a standalone solutions, but actually ESG being integrated as part of, let's say, risk management or resilience management, um, which makes makes absolutely sense because you know, as as we said, from a from a company kind of survival resilience perspective, ESG is top top of the agenda. Um, so yeah, it's in my view just a matter of time where we have. Uh, um, kind of a, a strong established standards that we would um, basically uh, compare all companies on. Zelda, do you do you, do you agree with that? Or yeah, you... I, I do, I do, um, and I think you know that there are some there are some standards, there are some certification that um, can be a little bit like an MOT certificate uh, in in that it's it's valid for the day that you complete it. 
but um, it, it doesn't give you a view as to how that company is moving forward. Um, so, so one thing that that we are looking at from a, a and encouraging our suppliers to uh, to sign up to is a science-based targets initiative. Um, it's 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 not perfect, um, but but it's it's gained great traction over the last over the last few years. Um, it's very visible in terms of it doesn't matter whether you you know you're coming to it as as a customer or as an insurer or as an investor, uh, but you can see the targets that have been set for that particular company um, that, that that you're that you're interested in either as a supplier or or um, or a company to invest in, um, but and it, it's not just for today. They're setting science-based targets out to 2030, so it doesn't really matter too much where that supplier is today. What we're really interested in is where they're going to get to by 2030, uh, and what plans they have in place to make sure they get there. Um, so it's not just a kind of a oh yeah you know it, it, that that company's good for today. It's a it's a you know what will that company look like in 2030? Uh, will that be a will that be a supplier that we want to carry on doing business with? That's interesting. Is it it sound from from that? It sounds like it's all it stems back to that word reputation um we we touched on it briefly earlier um how a company or an insurer's uh esg credentials could have a could have a major impact on on the on their reputation uh with customers do are you seeing are you seeing the mode um the mindset change in insurers around around suppliers then and and suppliers themselves could have a bad reputation among among insurers uh, with with concern to their ESG cr uh, credentials and so those suppliers who who are not that um, that concerned about ESG they could be found to be they could find themselves being being left behind and, and falling behind you know in in terms of a business uh, proposition as well. Um, yeah I, th I think potentially um, and it's partly by association, you know, uh, I mentioned before that, that, you know, that for insurance companies, the, uh, the way the conduct of the brand is really important because it's intangible. But then you have that associated reputation, uh, particularly when you get to a, a claims point of view, because that's where, you know, the, the rubber hits the road. Um, for for insurance companies, if you can deliver a great claim service, um, then that helps your reputation no end, uh, builds loyalty, etc. Um, but it's actually your suppliers that are doing that on your behalf. They're the ones repairing the vehicles, or or, or putting the houses back together, or or whatever. Um, so so it, it is you know the reputation of our suppliers um, has a, a knock on effect of um of the reputation of insurers um uh, and you know we want to make sure that we have that positive contribution to um to, to transitioning to a, a low carbon economy going forwards um if we are found that our suppliers hit the hit the media for for you know um either greenwashing or for uh, labour force standards, then you know that has an impact on uh, uh, on us as an insurance company. Um, so you know we need to make sure that our supply chain all the way through is um, uh, meets very high standards because because of the impact on us. So David, if David, if um, you know taking on board what Zelda's just said, uh, I, is reputational risk was cited as the primary motivation for insurers to improve their ESG credentials. So, you know, going back to what we said earlier, should they be more strict? And really, why aren't they being as strict as they are on their supply chain? Is it just a, a, a matter of, um, you know, not being able to, or is it is it a matter of uh, clo like 
fixing th- themselves internally before before looking out to to the to the supply chain. I mean, I suppose with with anything like this, it, it's probably all of the things that you've just mentioned. But but for sure, there might be an element of um, getting their own house in order first. I mean, it's uh, you know you, you can't enforce. I say you can't. You perhaps shouldn't enforce certain things if you're not um, following those same principles yourself. Mm. Um, so that would certainly play a part of it, I would have thought. Um, maybe, maybe there are some that, you know, wrongly probably um, think that they can delegate the responsibility to the supply chain. You know, it's not my problem. Um, I'll, leave, I'll leave all of that to my supply chain. But I mean, that would be in, in my view, a, a wrong view, given what Zelda's just said. I mean, the, the suppliers are an extension to the brand of the insurance company. Um, may, maybe there's some element of, of concern about where gaps are identified um, in in the supply chain. Maybe it might not be quite so easy to, to actually act upon that at, at this particular moment of time, given the, the economic issues that we're having. Um, it's it's really difficult. I mean, it, it's it, it's it's a tricky one to enforce things at this particular moment in time, given where we are, where we all are in the journey. You know, no one's perfect. I don't think anyone would say they would be, they were perfect. Everyone can improve things, both personally and in a, in a business world. So, um, I I don't think I don't I just don't think that now's the time or the place to be enforcing that with suppliers um it, it's a time as we've talked about it's a time to to discuss to work with um to, to take people on the journey with you um because it is important that suppliers are aligned to insurance company brands i mean that came out in the survey that um 67 of the responders expect the supplier to be wholly aligned or um uh, aligned to most of the 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 um the insurer strategy so you know it's it is important and we'll get there but now's i don't think the time to be um you know so black and white about it all and, and enforcing um the rules no. with the supplier no I, um, yeah I, scott if i may I, I'll, I'll be more controversial here and actually add that um um in, in you know in our case we are definitely moving into that surely case in terms of um, you know, the compliance and, you know, ESG becoming a prominent criteria in terms of um, uh, proactively managing the, the, the supply base, because similar to, you know, what we did before, and actually this is, um, by the way, mandated by the regulators, you know, we should be looking at um, the, the kind of the, um, the you know, reputational uh, um, pro- processes, you know, the, the credit ratings and all other aspects in terms of our robustness and resilience of our supply chains. And and again, ESG is, is now, you know, coming into this space. So, so what I would say is that if, um, you know, once, once the, as I said, we are dialing up the, the ESG up to 20% now of the, of, the, of the weighting of the balance scorecard, if, for instance, one of my key suppliers um, would come as red on ESG, I will be actively looking to um, exit that supplier. Uh, clearly, uh, that that will be the you know that will be the, the the focus, and I think that's uh, we as as we said before, we we want to gradually introduce that, but that's the direction of travel. So so you know there would be no excuses for someone not to abide and comply with the ESG criteria criteria that we would define. Um, and again, we'll 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 give some time for this to be introduced, but um, you know as as we said before, we don't want to be associated with. Um, you know, companies not being compliant um, that that we already do in 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 kind of information security and, and other aspects. So similar to you know ESG will become that prominent factor. That is quite uh, controversial, and um, I suppose yeah, you are saying that you are being that black and white. Um, so in terms, I, I, it's, it's a brilliant example that actually about the the IT security because it is if you think about there's no way an organization would take a chance with IT security and it is it would be black and white wouldn't it I mean 
do you protect our data or not yes or no and if you say no then you know surely you would expect as a supplier not to not to win that business or not continue the business and and you know we might not be quite at that point with esg yet but it's a really good sort of look into the future and what it will become and it will become like like it security because it, it has to be really because it's that important isn't it yeah I, I agree i think i think it will reach that point david i like your i like your earlier point about you know none of us are perfect and we're not and we shouldn't be imposing things on on our suppliers that we can't do ourselves um mm. so for example living wage um you know we became a, a living wage employer in in 2014 uh, and we expect the suppliers that are um on our premises um that, that work on our premises to be living wage employers and you know that we're spreading that out over the over the supply chain um, because you know we, we rely on those those suppliers to to do a you know a great job and uh, as I say be an extension of of Aviva. Um, so it, it's a it, it is definitely definitely getting your own house in order first and making sure that you're not asking something of your suppliers that you can't deliver yourself. So I guess we'll start rounding uh, rounding up the con uh, the conversation now, and and I'll I'll ask finally just you know we've we've said it's not something that's going to be fixed overnight. Um, this is a journey. We have we have targets that that are that are five, ten, fifteen years in the in the future. But um, for everyone to be in a good place um, for for ESG, what could people do? what could companies do now that maybe aren't as far along in the road as say an Aviva or an Allianz? Uh, what what could what what advice would you give to those to those insurers and those suppliers that uh, to really start to get get on the journey with with the rest of them and risk and reduce the risk of being left behind in terms of ESG? I'll go to Zelda first. Yeah, a couple of things. Um... Try and be as transparent as possible. Um, gather the data together um, and don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. Uh, you don't have to you know, have a perfect set of data and be ultra transparent before you say something. Just show where you are at the moment. Um, set yourself a baseline um, and um, and say, you know, mark out where your intention to move. Um, you know, that there's there's a lot of talk this year about climate transition plans and and they those coming in and the UK making those mandatory and and our CEO sits on on the uh, transition plan task force uh, for the UK government on that. Um, she she co-chairs it, but it, it's a kind of uh, we, we know that we're not in a, in a perfect situation now, but start planning out how you're going to move forwards, the, the pace of it, um, the direction of it, and um, and make sure that you, you take your suppliers along with you um, and, uh, and get them to buy into it as well, because there's we can't we can't do this as individual companies we have to do it together um and the only way that we can all win at this and all become more sustainable is is if we all win at it um you know it's it's not it's not a competition it's we all need to get there because we all need to be be working in a future that is sustainable um, and uh, and we need to understand what that looks like. Um, so just just do something to start off with, um, and and the rest will follow. Um, you know, you you have to you just have to take that first step and, and tell others what you're doing. Thanks, Zelda. Um, Ole, anything to add? Um, 
Yeah, absolutely. I would say not not delay and actually start on that journey now if if you haven't. And uh, Allianz basically shares resources. Uh, you know, I mentioned the the net zero accelerator, uh, which is helping our brokers to measure their emissions um, and and design their 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 own net net zero plan. So the same the same resources are available to our supply chain. Uh, they they can have access to the same expertise. Um, you know, I mentioned before we have uh, uh, we are you know trying to educate our supply chain. We you know we're running webinars on how to reduce their own environmental impact and start their journey to to net zero. Um, um, we we actually we've seen that the attendance was was fantastic already uh, from 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 the supply chain. Um, so um, yes, I think it's it's really um, time to to start on that journey. Thanks, Ale. Um, and David, uh, what do you what do you guys see um, at Crift that that people uh, should be should be doing? You've kind of got an external view of what insurers are doing and what um, and what people are doing. Uh, are there any pressing and kind of immediate things that people should be doing? Well, I mean, it, it, like like um, like Zelda said, the, the first step is to do something. Um, you know, gathering data. I'll, I'll focus on the gathering data part because that's an area where um, where we provide solutions. And um, you know, to to find out where the supply chain are at this particular moment in time could be really difficult. You know, but there are companies out there that can help you along that journey. There are um, credible partners that that can work with you to take some of the heavy lifting away from the the insurers who. Um, we might not have even gone out to their supplies yet and asked the, the question that Zelda mentioned earlier on, you know, wh where are you in your journey? So I, I would say that just to speak to the, the companies out there that that are experienced in this area and then can, that, and, and can help the insurance companies, because there's lots of them out there that can help um, and, uh, you know, just do something. <laughs> That's I really <laughs> like, like Just do something. <laughs> just start the journey. Yeah. And like you said, it doesn't. It could be quite an own, um, like a daunting task, even for a, even for a, an, a company as as big as an insurer to do it all themselves. You know, like you said, it's a lot of data to gather. If you've got a big supply chain, there's there's tons and tons of data that you need to uh, that you need to come um, gather. So, even speaking to a company uh, that is experienced in this sort of thing, that could be a help. Um, I think that will be that will be everything. Um, that we that we talk about today thank you everyone for being on the call so thank you to zelda thank you to ole and thank you to david uh, thank and you. thanks thanks for everyone thank uh <laughs> thank you thanks for everyone listening and uh we'll see you on the next podcast Bye.